This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I'm Adam Rippon, Olympic figure skater turned media superstar. And I'm Danielle Young. I'm a journalist, host and all around content queen. On our new show, Normalize This, we've discussed whether or not ideas, trends, and behavior should be normalized in everyday society. Subscribe to Normalize This for new episodes every week. Available to listen on all popular podcast platforms. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Hello, Matt Elliott here. Hi, Alan Smith here. Hey guys, Ian Hume here. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Be sure to watch... Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV. For all the latest Leicester City news and information. You can also subscribe on YouTube and various social media channels. For the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Come on, you foxes! Happen in 49, 61, 63 or 69 when they reach the final. But the class of 2021 have delivered. Leicester City are FA Cup winners
Leicester Delight Guy TV. Your first choice for everything Leicester City. Tune in and join in now. Right, Chris. Oh, wait, how are we all? Or oh, how the devil are we, should I say? I'm going to say sorry now in case I keep saying good evening because, as you know, uh, my life is very much in Dracula mode and I tend to come out at night and there's actually sunshine outside and my body's going, what the hell is that? You know, <laughs> so, so forgive me for that. It is Lester Till I Die TV. We are available on YouTube at the aforementioned Lester Till I Die TV. Please get over there, give us a sub and smash those likes button. And if you're listening to this on Catch Up on podcast, Amazon, Apple iTunes, Google, Spotify, Podcast Addict and your uh, favourite podcast platform. Thank you very much for listening as well. Here's where you can find us. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Broadcasting live worldwide. Hello, we have got uh, a few hellos here. Luckman, Uni- I'm not even going to attempt to say that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> You know what I'm like. If a player is not called Smith or Jones, I struggle. Um, <laughs> big up, thanks for popping in. I uh, won't be able to stay because he's got his own show coming up. But, well, thanks a lot for popping in. Douglas, how the devil are you, sir? Um, welcome along. Uh, must be happy after last night, uh, Liverpool winning. Uh, it's great. I tell you what, this, of course, is the In Conversation With show. And it's always great to get um, what I like to call professional people on. Because, of course, we, 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 we just play at this. And, of course, if they support Leicester City, it is always a bonus. And I'm sure this guy that's going to join us in a minute... He works BBC Radio Leicester. You may well have heard him. He's on BBC Talk uh, Talk Sport Five. Uh, sorry, BBC Sport uh, Five Live a lot, and he's also obviously at Talk Sport. So let's welcome in Mike McCarthy. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Chris. You well? Yes, I'm well. Thank you very much. I hope you are too. Uh, yeah, having uh, a good week so far. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you again maybe on Friday after we've <laughs> Yeah, fair you enough. Know. Yeah. I'm just thinking Talk Sport. Is it um it's Jeff Peters that talks sport? Do you have a bit of a let's mm. get together if you're in the office at the same time? Well, you know what? I've never been to the Talk Sport offices. I, I am completely uh, divorced from all that. Although I do see Jeff from time to time in press boxes around the country because um, we often cover the same de- games for different broadcasters. Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, he's a great guy, Jeff. And uh, obviously yeah. he's former Radio Leicester as well. And in fact, there <laughs> yes. are so many former Radio Leicester people <laughs> who were now big in the media. If you think of Manish Basin, he he can't go anywhere in the Indian subcontinent because he's on Premier League TV all the time. He's on BBC Radio Leicester. But, you know, he's uh, he's massively famous everywhere. And there's so many names you could think of. Ian Carter's from uh, Radio Leicester in the past. And there's so many others Jason uh, as well. That- Jason Bourne, who's doing brilliant things with Talk Sport at the moment. Yes. Uh, the, yes. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on and on. So um, Leicester's a great patch to work on your sport. And, um, yeah, there's many people who've, who've gone on to do great things afterwards as well. For those of us that are old enough to remember, and you're much too young, I'm sure, of course, Radio Leicester was the first ever local BBC radio station. Mm. So yeah. it has got a, a good, uh, a good uh, history there. Now, you are a Leicester fan. Um, and you, you know, you you know what it's like being a Leicester fan. There's, yeah. there's, it, it's a roller coaster ride, as they say. Um, and we've had some good times. We've had some bad times. At the moment, 
we may be going through a bit of a dip, but generally speaking, we've never had it so good, have we? Oh, these are good times. Yes, uh, it does feel like, you know, this season has been a little bit of a disappointment in certain aspects, but we are in the good times as, as Leicester fans. I mean, my first game uh, was Boxing Day 1993, and it finished right. Leicester 4, Watford 4. Uh, and immediately I was hooked, you know, yes. last minute equaliser, absolutely glorious. Um, and, you know, from, from that day on, you know, I was a, I was a Leicester City fan and uh, yeah. followed them ever since, you know, couldn't, yeah. uh, it took me ages until I, I saw a game with more goals in it than that. So I've just been <laughs> chasing that high, basically. I think it was the Spurs game at Wembley, which ended up, was it 5-4 in the end? I can't remember. Yes. So it was, um, I'm going to say following Leicester, long... you must have seen it at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's, it's been, been, you know many ups and downs but I, I kind of came in at one golden era with with Martin O'Neill and and, and yes. the, you know the wonderful times uh, with Leicester there and then obviously through the mid-2000s which we won't talk about too much because they were largely depressing and then uh, obviously the, the revival under Nigel Pearson and then of course the Premier League and and, and European football under Brendan Rodgers as well I mean it's been uh, it's been a wonderful experience the last few years so I don't think it's uh, yeah, we, we are definitely in good times, as Leicester yes. fans, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. No, no, obviously that's going to be the main uh, topic of the show, but you've made me feel very old now, because my first game I remember seeing was the Manchester City Cup final. And, oh, wow. Yes. Um, well, I say I remember, I, I, I've got this memory of it, but I don't, I know, I think I was eight or nine at the time, so... And then um, my first match at Filbert Street, the grand old lady of Filbert Street, was we entertained, I think it was Red Star Belgrade, as they were then. And mm. uh, they just beat Nottingham Forest, who were European champions, and we beat them. It was a pre-season friendly. And like you say, yeah, I was, they, they, they were coming over as the, this big European team. They couldn't to Barcelona because they were huge in the day. Mm. And uh, Melrose got two goals. I remember, I remember somebody stopping me going home and said, oh, did you go to the match? What was the score? I said, oh, 3-1, or whatever I think it was. Went, oh, we didn't lose that badly then. I went, no, <laughs> we would. <laughs> and he went, what? You know? But, uh, yes, it's... Um, well, that's uh, the thing yeah. with being a Leicester fan. Generally, it's low expectations and you're, and you're happy, pleasantly surprised, uh, generally. <laughs> but uh, things have flipped in the last few years and that expectations are a little bit different now. They have, and I think... And we were talking about this before we came live. I mean, if you look, I've always said, if you look football up in the dictionary, it just says fickle. And, you know, <laughs> I, I speak to a lot of, you know, I'm doing speaking to some Arsenal fans later in the week before the game, and I have done before. And, like, the Arsenal fans are sort of saying, we don't want to be in the Europa Conference because we should be, we should be in the um, Champions League. Well, we should be. I should be going out with Elm McPherson, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> if only, if only. But mm. you, you know what I'm saying? And I think it's all well with Man United. And as good as they have been, there's so many fans that weren't born before then. Mm, yeah. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing um, what what football fans think things the way things should be going um and and that has become more, i guess more firmly established since you know the, the the impact of money and big business in the in the game and and yeah. football becoming more stratified and it being the, the existence of first a big four and then a big six yeah. and that you know those sorts of things go along with that territory if you're pouring all this money in then surely x y or z should happen um yeah. but thankfully football is not quite like that just yet 
No, I mean you mentioned it there, and it, it is a te- and it is a bugbear with fans of clubs like Leicester. Is that uh, you know you know well like this weekend? I mean Sky Sports were were in their element. They had a Manchester derby. You know I don't know why any other game was bothered being played for Sky. <laughs> we do all. <laughs> And we get it that, you know, they are, I suppose, the six clubs, because there was never the big six before Sky. But, you know, it, it's always, you know, we watch it and we think, like, you know, if we're playing before, we hardly get a mention because they're talking about Liverpool, Man United, whoever, afterwards. Obviously, we in our minds, it exists. But, do, you know, do you feel that as a presenter that it's any different if, like, there's a big Manchester derby on? I just I think it's just in terms of levels of of interest and and as much yeah. as we as Leicester fans would love you know the big Sunday afternoon game to be Leicester you know Forest or whatever and that being the one that the whole nation pays attention to yeah. unfortunately most of the time it's it's not that that this is where the fan bases are because of you know the size of these clubs yeah. now and and the amount of marketing power and and, and all sort of the bits and pieces they're able to pull in um so football's kind of financial gravity is pulling it that way and i think the media just reflects that trend rather than yeah. necessarily creating it yes yeah no I, I i i can see that and i mean it's this club like i say we are going through such a an amazing you know, if, you, if you'd have said years ago, and I, I hate to be one of these fans that, well, I was there at Yeovil on a Tuesday night in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hate being one of those, but we are going through such a... I never thought in my lifetime I would see my club win the Premier League, you know. And hmm. I remember, funny enough, I remember being on Talk Sport that night on the sports bar, absolutely drunk. And I'm not going to... I don't know how I Is got a recording out there somewhere? Yes. No, no, I was just at home, but I was knocking it back, like, obviously, you know, with the Chelsea-Tottenham uh, game. But, you know, when when we, I watched the FA Cup, I couldn't get a ticket. My son came round and, you know, he's 26, I'm sort of 60 now, and we were watching the game. And at the end of the game, when the final whistle went, I had to turn away from him because I was crying. And, mm. you know, he looked at me, or he turned around and said, like, oh, guy, we've done it, we've done it. And I turned around, and he was crying as well. <laughs> it's just yeah. those yeah. moments you get, and, you know, listen to that, you you know, Champions League music. It shouldn't be happening to a club like Leicester. Mm. No, I, I, I completely get that. And, and that is what makes those moments so so special. And, and I, I guess, you know, you don't want to become you know, one of those clubs where there is that sense of entitlement and that, you know, yes. if you're not winning trophies year after year after year, then somehow it's the end of the world. You know, mm. football and these moments are special. And that moment for you was was so, so special because it was so rare. And, it, yes. and it, you know, that's why it meant so much. And that's why it's such a great sporting story. Um, so, you know, I, I hope football continues to, to have that. And, you know, this is why people were so up in arms about things like the European Super League, yeah. the idea that, you know, the further entrenchment of, you know, six clubs in this country and a few others around Europe um, would just continue to dominate. And and that would be it. There would be no openings for the stories that that we've had the, you know, the pleasure of experiencing over the last few yeah. years. I mean, we. I think that season when we won it. I mean, I, I I live down here in Paul. I work in Bournemouth, and I was, you know, I'd be walking around with my jacket on that has Leicester on it, and people were coming up to me. And I, I remember going into the bank one day, and she said, "Oh, Leicester City." She said Vardy and Mares. I went, "Yeah." I said, "Which team do you support?" She said, "Oh, I don't like football," but she knew. <laughs> yeah. that. And I think we gave 
all the clubs of our size, similar and maybe smaller, that belief that the dreams can sometimes come true. Yeah, certainly. And, and you know, it's it's now interesting, isn't it, that every kind of big sporting upset story is compared yeah. to, to Leicester City winning the Premier League. That is now the benchmark by which all other major sporting shocks are measured. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's so difficult to think of too many examples of anything like that being, you know, potentially happening again and and you know that is what makes that story so remarkable is it is just it was such a a, a freak compared to what you know what football had experienced for the last yeah. essentially 30 years yeah. um so uh yeah i mean you know we are we're extremely lucky to to be in these times and, and to you know have experienced it and and it and our achievement was what well, it was better than Forest when they came up and did it, wasn't well, it? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I can. Yeah, and the, and again, it comes down uh, sadly to, to money. But you know, yes. frankly, the, the the divergence of cash in the old First Division in the late nineteen seventies, early eighties was nowhere near what it mm. was now, what it is now, and and football has become so stratified um, that you know what Leicester did was was just extraordinary um and this is not to take away anything from you know double european champions I mean, it is a incredible achievement what Nottingham forest did but i yes. do think that in the context of the hurdles that leicester had to go across mm. to get to what they got in 15 16 i don't think it's it's as good as, as what leicester did and I, and I think it was the fact that it followed on from the season before we know we didn't we didn't have mm. to just stay up and avoid relegation and then sit mid table for a couple of seasons and then win it it wouldn't have been such a big story but no. I, I had a season ticket for the for the great escape year and it's like a seven and a half hour return journey for every game to see us lose but you know, that was the side and, and and sometimes i don't feel that it's quite the same now but that those players they would give the blood on the pitch you know, you mm. knew that they were fighting. You know, we were never got lost by more than one nil or two. Well, we, we were never sort of massacred in that time, but there was always that passion there. Yeah, which I think yeah. probably came from Nigel Pearson. In fairness, oh yeah, and, and and he deserves so much credit as well for for the squad that he built. And you know, I was having a conversation with, with literally. I, li- I live in Sheffield, and yeah. we had a build we had a builder come round to the house yesterday because we're trying to get some work done. Mm-hmm. And mentioned I was a Leicester fan, and he said, "Oh yeah, Nigel Pearson, he built that team, didn't he?" You know, and and yeah. I think that is you know something that you know literally uh, is embedded in in the minds of a lot of people about you yes. know that that Leicester story. That yes, Claudio Ranieri came in and did wonderful wonderful things, but you know the clay was certainly molded. By yes. Nigel Pearson to you know yes. to, to get the ball rolling there. It's um, he, to mix metaphors slightly. A, he was a different manager though, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. I met him I mean I, I, a couple of times. I mean, at the Bournemouth game, I was in the because I lived down in Bournemouth, I was having to sit in the sort of the Bournemouth side just behind the you know the dugouts, and he saw that I was Leicester fan. He came over and he chatted, lovely guy. But those press conferences, I don't know if you were in any of them at all, but they were something uh, else, I, well, I, I only ever interviewed Nigel Pearson once, it didn't go very well. Um, so, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, so it was one of my first post-match interviews. I think uh, it was literally the, the week after uh, Leicester had beaten um, Manchester United 5-3. Yeah. That, that oh, right. yeah, incredible yes, game. Uh, yes. And they went to Crystal Palace and they were distinctly ordinary, barely got a shot on goal all game, lost it 2-0, were, were not very good. And, and um, I think my first question... Uh, to Nigel Pearson was uh, Nigel was that a bit of a reality check after last week and he said for who and I thought at this point oh this is not going well the interview <laughs> didn't really improve from there 
uh, to be perfectly honest. A lot <laughs> of lessons learned for me in my uh, my broad early broadcast journalism career in how to conduct those things. So um, yeah, take that hit and move on. Yes, yes, um, uh, yeah. And unfortunately, we'll always be remembered for that. But it, it, yeah, we can laugh at it now. But you know, looking at this season, um, like we said, you know. Whether we, you know, I think we probably become victims of our own success, and that fans, like I say, do um, uh, expect more. The better you do, the you know, the more more you want. But you know, looking at these figures, I don't know if you're able to see these very well mm. or not. But this is just comparing this season with the last two seasons since Brendan took over, and after 25 dark games. There's a there's a hell of a lot of difference there, isn't there? And I suppose the biggest one for me, and it ties in with everything else that's happened this season, is the goals against. Yeah, and and I'm sure this is something that will have come up so many times uh, on on the show. Is well, um, the amount of injuries, particularly yeah. defensively, that Leicester have had to contend with, is something oh, that yeah. would affect any side in the Premier League. No Johnny Evans for pretty much most of the season. No Fafana until very, very recently. And hopefully he's going to be involved in the next week or so. We will wait yeah. and see. Um, you know, Soinchu's not been in the best form. Ricardo's been in and out. James Justin's only just come back and then has got injured again. Um, I think that, and I know people don't like, you know, coming up with the same sort of reasons why this is, happening to Leicester City and, and they kind of want a different answer. But I feel like the answer is the same because the reasons are the same. You know, mm. Leicester City's defensive injury problems uh, are just huge. And that is the direct consequence of that. Um, what I guess can't be excused quite so easily is the amount of goals that Leicester City are conceding from set pieces. Uh, yeah. And that 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 is certainly something that continues to be a major worry. Um, and even though they've escaped with clean sheets against Burnley and Leeds, that not, is not necessarily down to um, the set-piece defending being necessarily much better. They may have got away with a few things against Leeds United, even though had they lost 2-1 yeah. against Leeds. Could could we really have complained all yeah. that much? Um, well, you know, and, and and that sort of you know that sort of thing is 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 also there to contend with. So you know, maybe they're just getting a bit of luck. And the harder you work, the luckier you get, and all that sort of you can roll that cliche out as well. But thankfully, <laughs> Fafana's on his way back. Maybe Johnny Evans isn't too far away, you know, for the run in as well. And of course, having Jamie Vardy back too is a huge boost because I mean, you, yeah. you know, you take the best striker out of any time side of the Premier League, and they're going to struggle for a couple of months. Indeed, indeed. I, I am worried that we are putting so much pressure though on Fafana that when he comes back, we expect that suddenly, hey, we're going to be in a title challenge again. Well, <laughs> I mean... it, yeah, isn't, isn't it funny how the best players, when you're doing badly, the best players are the ones that aren't playing? Uh, yeah. And that is the same, uh, you know, at any football club. But it's not just Leicester. I mean, I've I've had the privilege uh, when I left Radio Leicester, I went to Radio Sheffield and and mm. uh, hosted a, a phone in. They do a phone in called Football Heaven, which is uh, five nights a week. Uh, for an hour, and it covers Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, Barnsley, Doncaster, Chesterfield, yeah. and then on a Saturday, the, uh, the the phone is called Praise or Grumble, and most of it is grumbling, uh, which is you know <laughs> what you expect from a yes. uh, from a football phone in. Um, yes, but it is the same with fans wherever you go. You know, if you've lost the game, why is player X, Y, or Z not playing? They would have been better. You know, mm. this injury, that injury is is you know hugely damaging. Um, and to a certain extent, it's correct. 
Uh, and to a certain extent, you've got to you've got to wonder whether you know is there anything else that could be done in each situation. But mm. um, yeah, it's certainly not unique to Leicester in terms of in terms of that. And and yeah, in terms of going back to your original question and Fafana, yeah, I, I know what you mean. However, when James Justin came back, I appreciate again he's got another knock and it's going to be a little while before you see him again. But he seemed to step right back into his stride pretty quickly. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm pleased to say uh, that is good evidence that you know when Leicester are, are getting players back, they are coming. I think back it depends right. on the. I mean, Madison, I think, took a while to settle back in. Like you say, mm. James Justin was like he, 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 you know, he'd been on holiday for two weeks. But uh, <laughs> I mean, does Brendan's not really come out and said about the injuries? Uh, and quite often when I'm doing opposition shows, they're like. What you've had how many defenders injured? You know, he, he mm. hasn't used that as an excuse. Whereas probably it's like Klopp, you know, Virgil van Dijk breaks a fingernail and it's all, you know, <laughs> we're yeah, gonna lose yeah. and what have you. But what what really sort of worries me sometimes, like I said before, was was is the performance. I mean, I know for example, I had a sort of we we had difference of opinion, shall I say, with the co-presenter when we were talking about the Randers, the second leg. I know it was a dead match, as good as a dead match, although you don't never know with Leicester. Um, and we did score after a couple of minutes, which kind of killed it off. But we were letting a team, and no disrespect to Randers, of that sort of um, a standard, they had nearly t- over 20-odd shots at our goal. You know, mm-hmm. Now, yes, we went on, we won 3-1, we went through 7-2, and you know, it all looks rosy. But you know, if you and even Leeds on Saturday, you know, they, or Sunday, whenever it was, they um, Saturday, I think it was, but they yeah. had twenty odd shots on goal. Now, if you're giving that, and I know the only stat that really matters is how many times the ball goes in the net, but if you're giving that sort of, you know, possession and and, and shot attempts that clubs like Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, you're going to get stuffed, aren't you? It's going to be like a nine nil in reverse. Yeah, and it, and it comes down to leadership as well, doesn't it? Mm. Because it's not just about injuries to a certain number of players; it's it's injuries to leaders within the squad as well. So, I mean, what Brendan Rodgers and I know he hasn't blamed injuries, and I agree with what you're saying there. Although, what he has mentioned is the fact that he has lost a, a lot of leadership, a lot, of, you know, in in the side. So, when Evans isn't in the side, you know, he's one of those defenders that improves other players. So you looks so much more comfortable oh, God, yes. next to Johnny Evans, doesn't he? Um, yes. And I think in fairness, even though he's a young guy, Wesley Fofana is another type of defender who improves those around him. It mm. raises the standards of everybody else. And what can happen in, in not just Leicester, but any, any side is if you lose some of the key leadership within any kind of squad, then what you find is then you have players sinking to below their own standards yeah. and they are not able to to raise themselves back up and and you know that that that, that can happen anywhere um mm. but if you're losing the likes of Vardy and you're losing the likes of Evans as well who are you know very much two key leaders in the in the in the group in the group then um then that can happen and yeah I can see why you know that that would be a real struggle yeah and um we have all this doom and gloom about the fact that we're not doing well. I mean, you know, it wasn't so long ago when, you know, being in Europe and finishing the top 10 was absolutely, you know, over yeah. the moon for us. But I, I have a section on most shows that I do. Um, it's a bit of fun, but it's like, when did Spurs last win a trophy? <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit like, you know, I think, I think on the, the Drive Time show, they used to have a daily Arsenal. 
I have the the, when did Spurs last win a trophy? But if we look at it, um, let me just bring this back up again here. I mean, you know, we last won a trophy 297 days ago. Mm. Uh, They don't include the Community Shield in that as a trophy, although, again, regular viewers to the show will know that it's not the Community Shield in my eyes, it's the English Super Cup. But, you know, that's that's by the by. But, you know, Arsenal, it's been nearly two years. Man United, nearly five. Spurs, over 14. And Villa and Everton, who were two clubs that a while ago you would have said would have been challenging for European, 25 and 26 years apiece. And I could have put Newcastle on there and that could go even further back. Um, Things aren't that bad. No, they're they're, they're not. And uh, But what I would say is... Leicester's owners are determined to set the standards higher than, hey, let's finish in the top 10 and that's great. Yes. So they, they released the accounts recently and one of the key quotes coming out of that from um, from the club was, you know, this is a, a football club that wants to break the glass ceiling of that quote-unquote big six yeah. and, you know, and challenge on a regular basis. Uh, to do that, they have to continue to defy for want of a better phrase, football's kind of financial gravity in that you have in those big six, including Arsenal and Spurs and Man City, Man United and then Liverpool, Chelsea, clubs that are spending at least a hundred million more a year on wages than Leicester City can offer. Yes. Um, and so to carry on doing that, you have to continually show improvement. And this is where the worry comes from. So if Leicester City don't get into Europe next season, they'd say they're not in Europa League because they haven't won the Conference League or they haven't managed to claw their way to seventh and that somehow is good enough. Um, Then it seems pretty obvious that Yuri Tielemans is going to go. But how many other players would, would then say, you know what, I could play Champions League football somewhere else. Mm. Um, And is this going to happen for me at Leicester City? And that's the worry that you know fans will will, will rightly have because you, yeah. yes, you can build through the next you know um, the next generation and Kian and Jusby Hall looks like a, a wonderful oh. replacement for Yuri Tielemans if yes. and when indeed. Well, I say that I say that I'm not so worried about Tielemans leaving because we've got Jusby Hall. Well, I mean he's 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 doing a, a remarkable job at the moment, and if he keeps mm. it up, then you know that that may well be something that that Leicester fans don't have to worry about yeah. so much. Um, but that, that's the issue. And they're yeah. always going to be fighting until you are regularly in Europe yourself mm. and you get the, the bounties of either the Champions League or to a lesser extent the Europa League. Um, then you are always going to be fighting this uphill battle against clubs that do have the resources available to, to do that. I mean, this is why the stadium rebuild is so important. Yeah. Um, so I, I heard a stat ages ago. Um, I can't remember where it's from. But when they re- when they built the Emirates... You know, that, that middle ring of like 9,000 or so padded yeah. seats at the Emirates, yeah. that brings into Arsenal more money than the whole of Highbury did wow. on match day. So, uh, you know, if you if you have Leicester City, and at the moment, let's say that the new stand goes up and you know there's more executive boxes immediately, that's extra cash. You might yes. have a few more plush seats. You might have a, you know, a few more bars and, and places where you yeah. know uh, fans might go. It is interesting, you know, reading the questionnaire that was sent out uh, must have been a year or so ago about you know would you like this kind of facility or that kind mm. of facility and all that sort of stuff. What would you want in the stand? Um, and I guess there was you know a kind of a marketing push to see how, what people would want to spend their money on and how much demand yep. there would be for you know sort of extra services in that area because that is all about generating the necessary revenue 
that would then allow Leicester to challenge a bit more in terms of the wage bill and a bit further in terms of of trying to close that gap. So, you know, but all that relies on continuous development on the pitch. So if you miss out on Europe one season, okay, but if that becomes two or three and then other clubs, you've got Newcastle on the rise, haven't you? I mean, it won't be too long before they start challenging at that end of the table. You know, um, Aston Villa under Steven Gerrard, could they be you know, a rising force mm-hmm. in the next two or three years as well, or maybe sooner, um, then you start looking around. And of course, Wolves are doing so well this yes. season as well. So, you know, there's there's so many clubs nipping at Leicester's heels, trying to be that side that is challenging everyone else in the top six. So totally. that's where the pressure comes from. Uh, yes. But I, I really like the fact that, you know, Leicester's owners are being so positive in that, you know, this is this is our end. This is what we want to do. This is what, you know, we demand mm-hmm. of, of, of the club. Um, and because they set those standards, I think it's okay for fans to be disappointed when Leicester don't meet them because that is the, you know, the, the standards the club are setting. So we can yeah. have this conversation about Leicester being in, in great times and this being a bit of a disappointing season and, you know, it's not the end of the world. And it's right, it's not. Yeah. But this is the club that is making demands of itself and wanting to be pushing further and further. Um, and it has so, to be. And, and, yeah, and that's what it needs to do. Yeah, and I think it has to be, like you say, I mean, we, we, as we did played Leeds at the weekend and I did a watch along and I had 90 minutes with the Leeds fans. I do my watch watch alongs with fans of the opposing mm-hmm. club. It makes it a bit more interesting. And, you know, we were talking about sort of their rise under David O'Leary and uh, Peter Ridsdale. And they, they went about it in the right, we're going to spend, spend, spend. And, you know, yeah. it, it all went wrong because they didn't go, you know, into Europe and as far as they, they wanted to. And you have, you know, it is a case of just getting it right. And it does amaze me how many teams get it wrong when they keep saying to us, "Oh, we're, we're, it's a business now, and we're run by businessmen and men that have their own and their business." And mm. then you get somebody like Spurs come along, and they end up getting their eighth choice, ninth choice manager. <laughs> you know, you sack your manager, and then you don't have an idea about who you want to get in. Mm. Um, and and I mean, I'm sure they must do, you know. I mean, you, you know, you leave your job, you give four weeks' notice, <laughs> so people start looking around. And you know, if, if you are at work and you are being, you know, your boss thinks that, uh, oh, you know, he's not doing so well, might have to sort of move him or let he, immediately his next thought is, right, but who would I replace him with? Mm. And and you know, I mean, Watford and <laughs> are just the epitome of getting it wrong. Well, I mean, it, it is an extraordinary model, the, the Watford mm. model, and, and uh, it has brought limited success. I mean, it's got them into the Premier League, but it's not kept them there. Um, no. and, one, and the one thing you can say about, about Leicester is they do have this identity and, and a plan, um, yeah. and they are building in the right way. They're doing it the right way around. The training ground uh, is such a key thing. But for oh. Leicester growing as a club, because you know, you, you imagine showing that to you know a new recruit saying, right, this is this is this is where you go to work every day. Yes. you know that that is the place, and you know that that is going to widen the eyes of a lot of players that might be thinking of you know maybe going to Wolves or or mm. going to Newcastle or you know uh, it, it, you know the clubs that Leicester are trying to stay ahead of in this race to break into you know the top six. So you know they they are doing it the the, the right way around, and they they. Uh, the, the academy as well is going to be a key uh, part of that. I mean, was it four academy products in the in the lineup yes. against Leeds in, in terms yeah. of in terms of what that you know they, they are we, doing we so well with, uh, with six under twenty threes on the pitch where we played Watford in the FA Cup um, mm. because of COVID and what have you. And let's face it, they did a darn sight better than the first team was that turned up against Nottingham Forest. But 
I need to stop talking about Nottingham Forest, although my therapist, <laughs> my therapist does say it's good to talk, but I don't think it is with, with that. No, let's just all delete that game from our memories, I think. That's yes, the best thing. Yeah, yeah, limited, limited memories. We, we joked before about well, Martin O'Neill, and I suppose that was the last time, apart from any area, when we, we had relative success in living memory. Uh, but like you you made the quote, and, and I was thinking it, you know, Martin O'Neill said he used to sort of welcome players walking onto the pitch backwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I like you say, you know, we do attract those big names, I think, or sort of, not the big names, but you know, the attraction of, like you say, taking somebody to the training ground and them seeing that is, is and, it, and it is because you made the point again and, uh, uh, just now, and I, I agree 100%. The last couple of seasons, maybe we've had it all our own way a bit. And, you know, yeah. that you need a Spurs or an Arsenal or something like that to struggle to sort of get in there. But it really was only us. And maybe West Ham were just nipping at our, our toes last season. But this season, like you say, there's a lot more clubs now that are fighting for that position that we used to think we were, it was only us fighting for. Yeah, yeah. And you're right to raise West Ham. I can't believe I didn't mention them earlier. So, yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> you're bang on. Uh, to to do that, I, I suppose you know the interesting thing now is you know with Roman Abramovich leaving Chelsea presumably mm. in the next few weeks or months, what what does that mean for the future yes. for Chelsea and their ability to 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 spend? Um, so that could open things up as well. It's going to be curious to see how that sort of develops. And and yeah, I think you know we look at football sometimes as if the way it is now is the way that it always has been or will be. But you know, I remember listening to phone ins. Uh, I, I've always remembered this call. It's from like uh, the early 2000s when Manchester United were just completely dominant. They'd won the league by sort of mid-March and stuff. Yeah. And someone called up and said, look, you know, Ma Manchester United should start next season with like, you know, a minus 10 points just to make it interesting. I don't think they were being completely serious, but it no. just sort of showed the level of dominance there was. And it did look at the time like they would be this unstoppable force that would, you know, just continue to dominate English football forever. And it's not been like that at all. You know, when Pep Guardiola leaves Manchester City, what's their plan after that? Who do they get in? What's, you know, how are they going to, to look? Um, Jurgen Klopp won't be at Liverpool forever. You know, everything is evolving. It's always moving pieces. Um, and the same will be true of, of Leicester City. It's not a fixed point in time. You know, this this will be something that, that changes over time. And if you've got the right strategies in place, then you can keep up. But yeah. um, not every club will have that. No, and 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 again, it is. It, uh, I mean, have you read my notes, by the way? But <laughs> I, I always say that you know, Man, you know, Man United. You can't argue. Alex Ferguson was a master coach, master manager, and what he did at Manchester United was unbelievable. And for that time, he was there. There were certainly to, to the best club in Europe. I mean, you know, forget the Champions League, but overall, they he'd gotten work. But before that, and after sort of Matt Busby, they were just another Chelsea, uh, sorry, just another Tottenham or Arsenal at the moment. It was Liverpool that were dominant, and Liverpool that mm. were winning everything, that were winning the yeah. European finals and the titles. And But then it's taken them 30 years to get back to where they are. And, yeah, yeah. you know, like I said, I know, you know, a lot of fans these days don't sort of remember that far back um, and maybe that's why they're, they're more expectant but yeah, it does go around in circles and like you say you know they have that old boot room going where you know the assistant manager has always moved up as soon as they stopped doing that and I think they brought Suness in it kind of all started to go wrong for them but uh, yeah 
Yeah, but just and I've got I've got a question coming in for you here before we move on on to Brendan itself. But like, just to mention Tillemans, yeah, I can see what he's doing. I mean, I was reading something on the Leicester Mercury yesterday that was saying that he may still not go, depending what happens this season. He mm. obviously wants Champions League football. And I get that. And I will wish him all the best and thank him for everything he's done. You know, I mean, the FA Cup final, that moment I had with my son. Thank you so much, you know. Um, although if may, maybe VAR maybe just helped a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, you, he, he's been captain. We need leaders on the pitch. But Amarty... Been a bit of a Vestergaard the last few seasons. I remember when we were walking up to the charity shield at Wembley and they announced the team and everybody went, oh, when they announced the Marty. But mm. he has stood up and come into his own this season. Yeah, yeah. I know you were saying Soyuncu and, and Evans. Would you say when Fafana comes back, I suppose the immediate thing is people think drop a Marty, but would you sort of still go with Soyuncu or would you... Keep you know, I'm really torn about that. I mean, uh, the it was a question I asked actually Matt Piper after the Leeds game, um, for, for, and I don't know the answer. I honestly don't mm. know. I mean, I would suspect um, that the safe op- well, safer option is to go for Farner and Soyuncu, yeah, um, because uh, you know they they've played together before a lot. There there will be that residual understanding between them you don't have to develop new things and when you're in a situation where Leicester defensively are particularly fluid in terms of who's in and who's out of the side you need whatever relationships you can get and that yeah. may just sway it but that is not to do down the, the contribution of Daniel Lamarty this season and, and the way he stepped into that role because at, at times he's been really excellent so yeah. I, I, I recognize that is a hugely difficult choice I suspect it may be for uh, for Farner Soyuncu that would be the, the combination that, that Brendan Rodgers went with. Yes. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if it was the other way around. <laughs> you, you can't. I, I can remember again going back to Nigel Pearson when we were in the championship and we won it and we, we broke all the records. You could predict what that team was going to be sort of six, seven weeks in advance for a game because it mm. was the same to, then he came up and after Man United and, you know, you were saying about uh, your interview with him and the next match against Palace. But you then suddenly, he was changing every week and somebody had a, would have a good game. And we're going to come on to the defence later because um, that's obviously one of, been one of the big problems um, this season. Uh, Brad, good, e- good evening. You see, I've said it now. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Goodbye. I'll cover every base. Uh, Brendan has signalled out KDH as a potential future captain, and I don't think he's not uh, not wrong there. Scott, good afternoon. Welcome along, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Brad has asked this question. It's a good one. What's why we're talking about um, the defence? Fafana has stated that he wants to win more silverware with the club, uh, but he's also said he wanted to help us get the second Prem title. Do you see that as an achievable goal for Leicester City over the next few seasons? um, Honestly, no. Uh, yeah. I think Champions League is 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 an achievable thing uh, for Leicester City if you know the stars align and, and Leicester City are able to um, keep hold of their best talent and have a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the title is probably uh, it would it would a bit a bit you know going back to the conversation we had earlier it would rely on others mm-hmm. um, all slipping at similar yeah. times and I'm yeah. I'm not convinced that's going to happen anytime soon 
it did happen, obviously, 15-16. I mean, yeah. you know, Man United were still just being Man United post-Fergie. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Spurs had just imploded, uh, as they usually do. Arsenal were looking at their normal top four and nothing more. And, of course, Man City announced that uh, Pellegrini was leaving with mm. about 10 games to go, and that, that yeah. was the end of it. But, uh, but no, I, 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 I agree. Um, and the, the worrying thing is that if we do have a really good season, you just, would you say? Oh, sorry, I missed the, the question slightly. Oh, there. sorry. I say if we do, if, you know, if we do do well, and it does look like we're going to win it again, they're just going to go out and spend big more than you yeah, guys yeah. Early, more than we can. Well, I mean, there is there is always that danger, but you know, it's a great bit of news this week that Fafana's uh, tied down until twenty twenty seven because he is, you know, uh, a, a brilliant defender. He will be a, a full French international within, you know, not too long as well. I mean, you, yeah. they, they, he's, he's uh, going to be a key part of this Leicester side um, for, for for years to come. You would hope, and if he is, yeah. then then the future's a, a very bright one for Leicester City. You would think. Moving on, as as we have to to um, Brendan Rodgers, and we mm. spoke, again we spoke about this before. Um, third season syndrome. It's what everybody's been saying to us. It's all the Liverpool fans are saying, you know, he, he had a th- bad third season with us. I think you only get third season syndrome if you don't give the guy a chance to have a fourth season. Mm. You know, and season one he got us, to, you know, fifth and the Europa League. Season two, fifth again, Europa League again which we've never had two consecutive European seasons ever before. FA Cup, we know that. Community Shield stroke, uh, English Super Cup. (laughs) There's been two great years. But, you know, when he signed, I saw him as not a short-term manager, which a lot tend to be these days, but somebody that's going to build something, you know, because he is good with the youth. And if he is building something then he has to be given the time to build it, you know. Mm. And, you know, what Ferguson did at, uh, so Alex did at Man United, was he rebuilt the team three or four times during his, you know, during his tenure. And maybe that's something, I know, I know Brendan's alluded to it, but maybe that's something he's, he's going to be doing. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, that was a card that he sort of handed out after the, the, the Forest game. And, mm. uh, you know, th- there's only so many times you can play that card in the media, but that was certainly, you know, if you're going to play it, then that was maybe the day to do it. Yes. Um, and he was he was right in terms of the attitude of some of the performance from, from Leicester's players that day. It wasn't anywhere near good enough. And mm. um, I think you learn a fair bit about players in defeats uh, like that sometimes about, you know, who's really up for the fight and, and, and who isn't um, in terms of a third season syndrome though. I think a lot of this just comes from that third season at, at Liverpool mm. um, in, in which he lost Suarez, you know, one, yes. one of the best strikers in the, in the Premier League, you know, and all of a yeah. sudden, you know, that, again, that had a huge impact on, on what Liverpool were doing. Um, it didn't have a third season syndrome at Celtic, as far as I'm aware. I think they won the title that year. Um, don't, you don't think he had a, a third season syndrome at Swansea because he left? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the, so you know, I'm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not sure it's a narrative I completely buy into. Um, no. I don't think there's enough evidence to really to, to to back it up. I think people have just gone, oh, it's gone a bit uh, dicey in the third season at Leicester. Is mm. this a thing? 
and yeah. they've gone back in his past to kind of fit the facts to the to the narrative rather than anything oh, else. That, to, that, to that, doesn't that happen all the time, though? You know, I well, mean, we love to do it in football. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I am. I, I've nailed my, my colours to the mast. I am a Brendan in. You know, there's been a lot of people saying he should be sacked and he should, we should get him out now. I mean, A, what's the point? You know, because whoever you get in has got the same team, got the same injuries. We're not like Leeds are in the relegation battle. And when Claudio went, and I, I think he had to go when he went because we were in danger of, of going down. Um, but like I say, he's building something here. Let him yeah. get to the summer. See what money he's got. See if Tillemans probably goes, so he may well have that money. And let's judge. And I think it was Clinton Morrison on the BBC, and it was very, very true. He said, judge Brendan Rodgers when he's got a full-strength team. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I agree totally. I mean, there's a couple of things, really, isn't there? I mean, one, there is clearly no loss of, you know, this, this team is playing for its manager. Yeah. You only have to look at the way they've ground out that, that win over Leeds uh, and the win at, at Burnley um, to, to, to see, you know, and even in that defeat at Wolves, which they yeah. played pretty well in, um, yes. but, you know, you got done with a couple of uh, sucker punch goals. And, you know, this is not a team that is not playing for, for its manager. So, mm. you know, that's that's the first thing. I, I would be worried if you saw evidence otherwise but at the moment i'm not seeing that i don't think there's too much of a case you can make to say that that's happening but the yeah. other thing is you know it's all very well and i have these conversations all the time on football phone-ins when i've hosted them yeah. is fine if you want to get rid of a manager okay who do you want mm. who are you realistically going to get um yeah. and you know that that you that that's fine to say you know you it's you've got to have an alternative you can't just be saying this this guy's got to go. You've got to take responsibility for it and go, right, okay, what next? Because otherwise, I don't see the point of it. No. As Brad says there, and he's naming all, all the youngsters, you know, you need the right manager to do that. And I think Brendan is, we, you know, he, he's, he started with, with, with youth players and that that is one of his strengths. But do you think at times... He's too stubborn. And I mean, we were talking about Nigel Pearson before, and probably no, nobody is, is more stubborn than him. But, you know, how long did we persist with zonal marking at the back mm. when it obviously wasn't working? I can remember listening to one match, and I think it was on BT, and the guy said, oh, they've give, Leicester have given whoever we were playing a corner. For the opposition, that's as good as Leicester conceding the goal. Mm. Two seconds mm. later, the ball was in our net. Yeah. <laughs> and he's finally changed it. And all right, you know, we know that Leeds, you know, couldn't have hit a barn door at the weekend. But, you know, he's, he's stuck with that for so long with the zonal marking when it was so obvious it wasn't working. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I think ultimately what can sometimes be seen as, as stubbornness within managers, I think is just actually these are my principles. And mm. this is this is the way I believe in playing the game. This is the way I believe in setting this up. Um, and this is the job you brought me in to do when I told you in my interview, this is how I was going to do it. <laughs> yes. You know, do you know what I mean? So yes. uh, kind yeah. of expecting people to to turn on a sixpence is, is maybe um, a, a little bit, uh, I don't know, but a little bit Naive. hard to do. Uh, yeah, uh, you know. but, but, but also, you're right. I mean, Nigel Pearson did did change it up in the end in that season that they stayed up and they went to the, the you know three at the back and, and it, it became a you know a different 
uh, sort of team. They became much more on the front foot and, you know, less. Um, they, they played with, you know, ambition rather than just fear. Um, and, and you know, it worked. Um, but I think Brendan Rodgers, of any manager, is 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 probably not one that I would necessarily accuse of being stubborn in a tactical approach. I mean, he's changed the way that Leicester, you know, try and set up and play several times within mm. his his time here. It's not like he's gone right. I play four three three, and this is what we do. And you know, it doesn't matter who we're playing or or whatever's happening. They, they, they will they will match and change things within games, and and they will work it out. I mean, you know, Hamza Chowdhury essentially is a right back. Um, at the <laughs> weekend, you know, it, it, and, yes. and it, that, it, that, so I, I don't, I'm not sure. It's a, it, yeah, I get the set pieces thing, and it's it's really difficult to watch sometimes. But mm-hmm. um, there's no telling, you know, how much worse it would be if they tried to go man marking. Because it, the other thing about football punditry is you never hear anyone on on Sky or BT post match going, "Oh, the man marking system is terrible. They've got to switch to zonal." When was the last time you ever heard anyone say that? Well, um, funnily enough, funnily enough, the Leeds fan, because he said that uh, Marsh is very much a zonal marking fan. <laughs> but I know, I know what you mean. You, you never hear it mentioned normally, do no. you? No. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it, but but yeah, look, it's clearly a problem that needs to be addressed. And yes. Hopefully, with the return of uh, a couple of players, that will go some way towards doing it. And I guess, you know, one person stubborn is another person's focused. Yeah, you know, know, absolutely. Um, I I mean, and and the best, I think, I think the best managers generally are those that have their principles and stick to them, Mm. you know. Um, You know, Pep Corleone has gone the entire season without a striker. Everyone told him he he was nuts. Yeah. Um and he's yeah. going to he's going to probably win the Premier League without a striker. You know, and and it's like no, this is the way I'm going to play the game mm-hmm. and it's up to everyone else to do better than us and no one is. Yeah. Um so I, I you know, I I'd much prefer a manager who says these are my principles and this is what we're going to do um rather than a manager who met, Nick maybe came in and said well these are my principles and if you don't like them I have others. Yes. Yeah. We've got to come on to it. Um, it's been horrendous season injury-wise. Uh, it, it, I've, I've never known a season like it. I mm. think at one point we had eight or nine defenders have all at some point been injured during the season. Yeah, yeah. You say that to opposing fans because we said before, dear, Brendan's not one to sort of shout out and say, well, we've had all these injuries, you know, uh, unlike, unlike some other managers. But, I mean, if we have a look here at, I mean, this is the list, and I may well have missed people off, I don't know, but this is the list of, you know... It's difficult to if, keep track. Yeah, Justin Fafana, Soyuncu, Evans, Ricardo, Castagna, Vestergaard, Bertrand, that's just the defence. And you've got Barnes, Madison, Indeedy, Samari, Vardy, Daka. I mean, what club? I mean, just, you know, you've got to look and say, look, you know, all right, we're 12, you know, but we've got a couple of games in hand. Uh, we're in the last 16 of a European competition. Um and you know he's done that with all those injuries. Mm. Yeah, and and uh, you know I think that just underlines you know the points that we've we've been making earlier. There, there are very few clubs in the top flight that would be able to cope um, with that. Um, yeah, so it's it's not it's not great. It really think, isn't. That, do you think that he's you know we, we've accused him of well we never know whether we're playing a bat three or a bat four or five whatever way it goes. 
you know, almost like he goes in on, on a sort of a Friday night and says, right, who's not injured? <laughs> yeah. Right, well, we're going to go through it back because we've got these three that aren't injured and everybody else is. Yeah, well, I mean, Vestergaard is the one that relies on being in a three more than the others, yeah. um, largely. And I think that 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 is to cover, you know, the relative lack of pace. Um, but the, the others, I think, you know, are, are more adjustable. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there have been times when they've played a back through with one centre half and two fullbacks. Yes, you know, for yes. example, because that was essentially the 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 well, best of the, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, the best of the bad options. You yes. know, there weren't any better options. You know, they're all bad. We just got to pick one. Um, <laughs> so I, I know what you mean. And, um, and you, you mentioned uh, Vestergaard there, and he's <laughs> he's kind of become. Leicester always seem to you know we, we love. And I've fallen into this trap. We love to hate at least one player every season. You know, it was too well for one season. Um, even when he was England left back, he wasn't good enough. And, you know, Vestergaard's taken a lot of sticks since he's come. But I suppose when you look at it, he's, you know, he's got to be introduced to his, his playing partners every game. Like, you know, who am I playing with? Oh, this guy. Or who is he? Yeah, <laughs> it can't, yeah, it can't have been easy. Um, no. I, you know, and I, yeah, I don't want to write the guy off. Um, because you know they're, they're make you know well Jamie Vardy didn't have a particularly good first season at Leicester City. No, <laughs> um, and, and look, no. Yannick Vestergaard is not Jamie Vardy, but the idea that he's a, a busted flush and Leicester should just you know get rid, uh, I, I I think it's too early to to, to yes. say that potentially. And I think how often, and maybe because I'm old, but you know when a team bought a player years and years ago. Uh, I think this was the case with, when Keegan went from Scunthorpe to Liverpool. It was quite a while before he went anywhere near the first team. Nowadays, you buy a player um, and they're straight in and they're expected to play with people they don't know. And mm. he got injured as well. But, you know, he, and, and Brad, you know, he, he, he sort of says he's a co-presenter, sort of. Probably didn't expect to get as much game time as he did. When he was and, and, and the, the problem is, once once players are brought into a, a realm where everyone is waiting for their next mistake, mm. nobody remembers anything good that they did. Um, so uh, you know, to no. go back to that Chilwell example, you know, every every time he lost the ball, that was all people remembered. They yeah. didn't remember, you know, the the brilliant challenges or the you know the assists or you know the other wonderful yeah. things that have made him go, you know, be a player at Chelsea who's won the Champions League for goodness' sake and play for England. Um, yeah. The the idea that he was a bad player was nonsense. Yeah. Um, but, but but yeah, once you get framed in a certain way it then becomes difficult for for people to see it in in any other way and and i feel um very sorry for players when that happens because i think you know it's just not a well-rounded understanding of, of anyone's game no no oh no totally and like i say hopefully you know like you say you know he, he's with us for a few seasons was he a bit of a panic buy i mean and you know i mean i gave praise to the club and to brendan because we'd, we'd got the, the injury to Fafana in a so-called friendly. Uh, obviously, that word doesn't translate into Spanish very well. But, you know, Fafana was injured, out for most of the season, they realised straight away. With the other pop injuries that, we, we, you know, we, we were having at the time, they did act very quickly and went to get cover in. Do you think Vestergaard, and, you know, we, we know that... Um, uh, Brendan's, you know, he'd been linked with him for a few windows. Do you think had we not been in such a panic, we might not have got him? Or 
Well, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that if, if Wesley Fofana doesn't get his uh, a double fracture in pre-season that Leicester are buying Elliot Vestergaard. I don't I don't think he's a, a guy that you bring in um, for, for any other reason. Mm. Um, but you have to assume that he was on, you know, a long list and then a short list of Leicester's recruitment and they were looking at him anyway for those mm. very reasons because you continually have to be going, well, what if? You know, yes. Leicester City at the moment will have a list of, you know, what what if James mm. Madison is out for a season? What if we lose Harvey Barnes for six months? What happens if, you know, uh, X, Y, or Z player leaves? You know, who is the next cab in the rank for, for yes. much, you know, for, for want of a, a better expression? So yeah. presumably all that due diligence had been done, mm. but not every transfer works out. You know, no, no, no. And, and, and we will see in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that 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 side of it, you know, and again, Ryan Bertrand's another example of, you know, it didn't, it's not really worked for him so no. far. And and you know, uh, the the performance that sticks out in my mind was uh, at Napoli, where it, it just, you know, that was, it was a poor night for him. For for, for an experienced defender, you would have hoped for better. Um, but again, hopefully. That, you know, that won't be the abiding memory of those players because yeah. you know they'll, they'll be able to contribute something more positive. I thought he was a very good signing because I thought he'd bring that experience in when you know um, uh, Evans wasn't there. We'd lost two experienced and talkative uh, defenders in Morgan and and, and Fuchs. Uh, as it hasn't worked out, but he's had his injuries as well. But just to finish on injuries, Dave Richardson. I mean, he was the, the physio for. Well, as long as I can remember, you know, he was he was probably there when they first got together in the shed on uh, <laughs> Street, whatever it was. Uh, he went, um, and that's coincided with a lot of injuries. Would you link that those two together? I mean, we went the whole season when we won the league with hardly any injuries. Yeah, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Mm. Um, there's there's just not enough i mean you know obviously the correlation is there but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the reason um and i just think it's impossible to 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 say or to you know with any kind of confidence that yes that is the reason why leicester city have yeah. picked up so many uh, injuries i mean you mentioned the the season leicester you know won the won the league um they were out of the the league cup very early uh, the fa cup campaign from memory didn't go on for for no. too long um and they weren't in Europe, so yeah. they played forty-four games, maybe yeah. that season, if that. Yeah. Um, compared to a European campaign, um, a, a, you know, League Cup, FA Cup, and, and everything that Leicester have got on this season, um, when you're playing again Sunday, Thursday, and all that sort of stuff, you know, it mm. that 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 load on players has got to be a part of it too. The fact that you've come out of a year where obviously you know pandemic has led to one season being cut short and then you know kind of sandwiched onto the end of you know the yeah. start of the next season um so players haven't had any time off really as well um so i suspect uh you know those are just as big factors if not bigger factors than than any behind the scenes stuff quite oh, yeah no to totally good point and you know you could argue that we haven't have the squad, you know, depth or size, but you know we're working within budgets that now Newcastle and Man City and Liverpool, you know, we can't dream of those sort of budgets. But when mm. you look at 
the youngsters that are on the bench, again, you know, you don't have to go out and buy. And in a way, I'm glad we didn't buy anybody in January because we knew we'd got players coming back. January, and everybody throws Tillemans at me, but, you know, <laughs> apart from that, January signings and quite often don't work out. They're not who you really want. They're more of a panic buy. So, in a way, I'm quite glad. And it was amazing how many clubs actually, more clubs didn't buy than actually bought. Yeah, and, and what I guess part of that is, you're right, you know, it's it's very much a, a seller's market in, in January because you can, yeah. you know, demand whatever you want if a club is desperate to... To, to to get someone in um but also again footballers as we've been seeing now with the raft of you know various uh, clubs accounts that are coming out everyone has been hemorrhaging money for the last two years um because of covid and, and the impacts that 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 has had so um there's been a natural um withdrawal there as well from from a bit of spending from outside again you know the the clubs that are independently wealthy and, and pandemic proof. Um, so then there's, you know, that, that, that's also got to be, you know, part of it too. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how, whether I, there's nothing coming up yet on the internet, but apparently Rogers has just said in his press conference, as far as out for a few weeks, yeah. um, the great, you know, but the, I haven't seen anything coming up as I say at the moment. So um we, we we will wait and see. Like I say, um, it, it's it, it's just literally you know, he must have been doing his, his press conference. But I wanted to come on last. Now. Yeah, yeah, a knee injury, uh, according to my friend James Sharp at the Mail, um, which is yeah, so that is not great news. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, one thing after weeks. another, isn't it? You know, yeah. And, and I think that's what worries me with these injuries is not um, that. We're getting the injuries. It's how many injuries are happening, not in matches. Mm. And, I, well, and is, is, well, this, is this, yeah, this, this well, this Vardy injury appears to have been picked up in the Leeds game, right? Um, according to what's been been said here, I'm just, literally I'm just uh, reading what's been uh, coming up on the Radio Leicester Sport Twitter feed. Uh, a quote from Rogers: "It's very frustrating for him, particularly having been out for so long, to get back." Uh, you see the difference he makes too, because we miss that level of player. Hence, he could be out for three to four weeks, uh, Vardy. Uh, James Justin is available for selection. Um, James Madison also free to return, but Ricardo is not quite ready to play. So there's your right. team news. <laughs> live <laughs> as we as we do it live on uh, on Leicester Live ITV, and of course we mustn't forget Castagna. I mean, you know, we've not we've not yeah. seen him for a while. Another quality player, yeah. And and I might I might have this wrong, but just to, just to finish on this, we did mention it about signings because there's been a lot of rumours, and again, I have to say they are rumours, and no no industry likes rumours more than football. You know, we've got so many radio stations, so many um, TV shows, we've got all these you know platforms like this one um, and papers that we've got to fill it with something, you know. But mm. the rumours are that Brendan doesn't always listen to the scouting system. And we know the scouting system at Leicester is so good. I mean, yes, we've lost Lee Congleton, but then we lost Steve Walsh and we were mm. still, you know, finding the gems. One per, and I know Everton fans were really disappointed with Steve Walsh and he didn't really find them any gems, but it's not just one person, our, our scouting system. It, it's no. all of them. And Tillemans, 
I mean, these are the signings that I think I've got right under Brendan Rodgers. Um, Tillemans, you know, he signed in permanently under Brendan Rodgers, but of course he did come in uh, in the pro range. But hmm. I mean, okay, Perez, yeah, well, well that, that's a show on its own, isn't it? And we've discussed Bertrand and Vestergaard, uh, then we've got Under and Bennett. Now, you could say that there maybe those were the five that have struggled, or, or I mean, some of them were loans, obviously. But when you look on the other side, you know, um, Fafana, well, Castagna, yeah. Daka, Samari, Pratt, Justin, Lookman, who I hope will get a, a permanent. I know, I think he's he could finally be the you know, stopper saying, oh, yeah, we miss Mares. You know, uh, I put Lookman down there twice just because I think he's that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, once as, once as a loan and once hopefully on a permanent deal. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Thank you for digging me out of that one there. Um, yeah, every team has bad signings, don't they? Yeah. Look, the, the, the idea that, you know, every recruitment department gets every decision right mm. Um I mean, every club will be having a similar sort of discussion from what they did last summer, what worked and what what didn't. Yeah. Um, and there are going to be misses as well as hits because, you know, this is not an exact science. Mm-hmm. As much as we like to pretend that, you know, you can do all your analysis and, and scouting and you know, ultimately until you get a player in the environment, you're not necessarily exactly yeah. sure how it's all going to work out. And, you know, ultimately you're dealing with human beings, not robots. Um you know the 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 long term trend is you know are you getting more hits than than misses and ultimately for Leicester they're still at the stage where are you able to bring players in uh, at a fairly low price mm. and sell them on for more yeah um, so look James Justin not that he's for sale or I've heard anything about him being for sale but yeah what was it eight million from Luton yes in a yeah. season's time what would you get for him a oh. lot more than that I you mean, know. Yes. Uh, I know he's coming under fire at the moment, but you know, look at Maguire. Yeah, Daka. Uh, again, you know, it was a big money move, but mm. after a couple of seasons in the Premier League, if he's done well, oh, a lot more valuable uh, than that. So, yes. you know, there, you know, Castagna again is another one who would certainly go for more than Leicester paid for him. And um, there's, there's there is there is that side of it too, because uh, ultimately, whilst um they don't unless they're keen to point out they don't have to sell it certainly helps um if they do yeah uh, you know to, to bring in the next generation that you know keeps building this on and and this is you know it's a model that brentford have done uh, on a much more aggressive level um done so brilliantly um but leicester still need to do a bit of that you would think they do, but I think the you know everybody's got. I mean, last summer Madison was off to you know according to Arsenal fans, Madison was off to Arsenal. You know, yeah, how did that work out? I think the thing is, is that yes, we will sell, but only if we have to and the price is right. Where yeah. before we had to sell to get um, you know to get the money in to keep us going to be honest with you where now like i say if we sell it's our decision yes i I think uh, yeah and that and that and that's and that's right and you and you've got to take into account as well will players um be happy and and healthy yeah you know if if they are kept at leicester city when they want to go as well and does that upset you know the the dressing room and and, you know things around the training ground as well if you end up having people who aren't happy at the club so uh, that is also something clearly going to be part of the uh, conversation you, as well. You might even you might even find the old player camping out at um, Paris Airport. You know, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. I, 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 don't let me just go 
got anybody in it at Couldn't all. Couldn't possibly come in. Couldn't vote. No, exactly, exactly. Uh, I must learn these uh, these uh, <laughs> press speaks. Um, <laughs> just want to end end on this one, then, if I can, is because if it looks like Tillemans will be leaving, uh, if we don't get any form of European football, and I, I kind of get even if we get the Conference League, you'll still want to go. He wants to play at that level. Can you see Pratt coming back, Dennis Pratt? Because I mean, he was a fantastic player. Uh, I know he's on loan at Atlanta at the moment, but you know he he couldn't get in the team because mainly because of Tillemans. Could he? Could he have a comeback, or do you think well, he really wants out? But then is Dewsbury Hall uh, going to yeah. be the, the man that takes on that that mantle? Um, so I think that's an open question, really. I'm I'm not convinced um, that he would be the guy that would that would come back and immediately uh, fit in. And again, it depends on on how he feels that the year abroad is has done for yeah. him as well on, on, on loan and whether you know he's happy to 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 go and leave the club again. Um so so there's that side of it too. And and again the other thing we should mention actually is just you know to go back to those signings as well. The 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 thing that we've not mentioned is of course Brennan Rogers is so good at bringing through young players too. Yes. And you know so look at the improvement in Harvey Barnes, look at the improvement obviously in Dewsbury Hall who has been a bit of a late developer in you know it, it was at Luton last year and was yeah. doing ever so well. And there was questions about whether he should come back or not. He's, it's clearly been judged extremely well as to when he comes and, and becomes part of the team. Luke Thomas at a much earlier age has come in at, at left back, but again, he's now a very valuable asset uh, for Leicester City as well. So it's not just about the recruitment inside. It's how you develop what you've already got too. Yeah. Um, and Brendan Rodgers has, has, has proven time and again that he's, he's very, very good at doing that. Look, was it 15... 15- Youth players we signed <laughs> a few weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to go and spend big if you can produce your own grown players. And that's something we've got to look at. Really final question, um, and I thank you for coming on, but where can you? what can you see Leicester finishing with this season? Um, I think the interesting question for, for Leicester City is uh, not so much because you look at the league table and go, what, can Leicester catch Spurs? They're, what, nine points behind Spurs at the moment, mm. having played the same number of games? Or, or, or they were until Monday night when they thrashed Everton. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's quite, I don't think Leicester are trying to catch Spurs. I think it's, can you catch West Ham? Mm. Uh, 12 points behind West Ham, three games in hand. Um, and if Leicester could put a run together, that is, I think, the target that is achievable to, to maybe get seventh. Yeah. Um, that that and I think that's an outside chance because you know I, I I've learned not to trust Leicester so much this season in terms of the performances <laughs> that we're seeing and and that uh, that is we a are bit Leicester of a, a bit of a and like we said at the start it is a roller coaster ride yeah yeah now. although uh, you know for for a couple of glorious years I, I was started to feel quite confident going into games that is now yeah. you know maybe not so much <laughs> uh, the case um, so so yeah what is it uh, look I think if they finish eighth or ninth. Um, and they give it a good go in the in the Conference League. I, I would be from this position satisfied with that. But of course, next season, then the, the pressure is on to to start well and and to and yeah. see what this rebuild that Brendan Rodgers is looking at um, actually delivers. Um, and you see Rodgers still being here to do yeah. that next season. Yes, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't see any you know reason for him to to leave or to be to be pushed at this point. <laughs> Um, great, so great. I, I, I'd be very surprised if he's not Leicester manager at the start of next season. Yeah, I mean, I want him to be. And I think, you know, when you look at uh, 
post FA Cup win, how he was with Top, it is you know amazing. And you know we should say Top, you know what what he has done since his father passed. He could so easily have walked away. He hasn't done, and I think that is one thing that everybody else, sort of every other team goes. We have, I think, got the best for the best owners. In, in well, the country, and again, that's something that came out in the accounts. It's not just King Power that is uh, loaning Leicester City money at the moment; it's coming from top personally. Mm. Um, so, you know, this is uh, something that that is worth pointing out too. Um, the investment that continues to happen in the club, and you're right; it, it could have been something that he could have walked away from. I don't think anyone would have blamed him if he had. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he continues to uh, support the club the way that he has. I think Leicester can count themselves extremely fortunate to have him. I'm looking. I'm so looking forward to the new stadium and all the media site and everything around it. It's uh, uh, going to be going to be. Maybe then some people say we're a big club. I don't know. Look, Mike, thank you so much for spending the time. You know, absolute you pleasure. Really enjoyed it. It goes on. It didn't. I didn't think I was going to keep you this long, so I do apologise. But once you start talking football, you can't stop, can you? you uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. All the best to you and your family. Good luck with the building work and stay <laughs> safe. <laughs> Cheers, take care. Bye-bye. Yes, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks to Mike there for joining us. It's always great, like I said at the start, to get a professional view and uh, it, uh, on what goes on and um, maybe, maybe a little few secrets as well. But no, thanks to Mike. Remember, you can catch him on BBC Radio 5 Live Radio Leicester, you're possibly going to be back next month, April, on there and and uh, and commentating on some games for TalkSport. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to be back at 7 o'clock tonight when we're going to have the Wrens preview. Fingers crossed there that we can do something against them and, and take a lead back to their place. We will see. Thanks so much to everybody that joined in. I say a huge big thank you to Mike as well. I will see you later on, like I say, 7 o'clock. Stay safe and remember, don't do anything I wouldn't enjoy. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.